0: Welcome to the Life Self Mastery podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life Self Mastery. And I'm excited to have Tanul Mishra, who is uh, the founder of the Bangalore-based Aftonia Lab. Uh, which is an incubator that specializes in fintech industry. As Sonya aims to be the one-stop destination for fintech startups with an experienced body of mentors from diverse sectors in U.S. and India. Tanur has done an MBA from uh, Mumbai University. Welcome, Hi, so, thank you so much for Rohit. Awesome. So, you know, uh, how did you get into, into this crazy world of startups and what made you start of Sonya? Um,
1: so, I ran a bootstrap startup and we had an exit. And during the journey of running Eatlish, I realized that you know um, there were a lot of times when we wanted to have a, a space where we could experiment, um, you know, get access to people, just get that build faster, you know, and get into the market faster. And I realized that there's no such, uh, you know, or there is no, no, there's a lack of ecosystem that supports startups. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to do um, after that journey, kind of, you know, moved on, was to focus on creating. Uh, An ecosystem for startups, which could help them, you know, do everything like build a concept, build a prototype, get scale, get access to business, get funding. So just a a one stop shop where startups could grow. Also, sorry. Also, the one thing was, you know, that we miss talking about is company culture a lot of times. Right. Right. And sustainability. and, And that's one thing that I wanted to focus on because... India is like the third largest hub for startups, but right. we don't have an adequate support system that helps more and more startups survive and build scalable models.
0: No, absolutely. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, I want to understand what was Eatlish all about and how, how did you go about up? So uh,
1: Eklish was uh, co-founded uh, with Shipra. Okay. And uh, the idea was that, uh, you know, uh, when we talk about, when we would, talk about you know hosting dinners and parties most people would actually focus on international cuisine right. and we wanted to create a platform do- that caters to the diversity of Indian food and also focus at the same time on preserving the artisanal food space. So uh, we so Eatlish was a platform for artisanal food makers focused on Indian food products, spices, condiments and snacks and we would retail them on our website, uh, Amazon, um, and 32 stores across the country. So Nature's Basket, Food Halls, Gourmet West, uh, just you know, all the gourmet stores, chains across. So mm-hmm. that was, uh, and when we started, you know, we had to build everything from scratch, access to vendors, getting licenses, training vendors. So it was a very operational and product heavy business. Right. Obviously, with regulatory repercussions, because food is a sensitive issue. Right. And that's when we realized that, you know, uh, because we've worked for a long time, we had enough network to kind of leverage and keep growing. But it's not an access that everyone has, especially, you know, a first-time entrepreneurs straight out of college,
2: right.
1: uh, you know, very little work. Don't have access to that kind of network, which makes it harder to run a startup.
0: Okay, right. got it. And and do you think, uh, you know, food uh, startups, uh, do you think the unit economics works for such sort of st- startups? Uh, and do you think it's difficult to scale up, you know, such sort of food startups?
1: Um, so, so our space where we were actually focusing on products, right. the unit, unit economics did work for us. Okay. Um, while we were selling directly on the website, uh, most of our revenues actually came in with partnering with, you know, um, retail chains and stores.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, so for us, uh, and we were tackling a very niche space. So unit economics worked there. But I, I think that, you know, because food is just not limited to spices, condiments, snacks. And when you talk about the food space, you're talking about perishables, etc. Right.
2: Um,
1: and uh, India has is such a diverse country with different geographies, different weathers. And even the logistics space is not completely geared to tackle that. So I think right. sometimes, you know, that would make scalability hard.
2: Right. Correct. Uh
0: well, very interesting you, you pointed out because, you know, I, I just recently read uh why Zumato bought Uber Eats because uh, the Pindaco, who's who's the uh, who's the CEO of Zumato says that you know India's, India is is a diverse country. Uh, you can't take uh, the entire India as, as one country but you know uh, you got to look at local areas where Uber Eats uh, had had uh, you know number one or number two position which Zomato wanted to take over and uh, that was a very different insight so so what is your thoughts on you know uh, Zomato taking over Uber Eats and do you think that sort of a model uh, is, is going to is sustainable over the long period because it's been 10 years, but you you, you can't really look at profitability in, in a startup like, sort like Sumato or Swiggy, for matter.
1: I think eventually everyone's going to have to talk starting about profitability, no?
2: Right.
1: Yeah. So I, I think it's an interesting acquisition. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how that rolls out. But uh, I'm not surprised. I mean, I completely agree with the viewpoint that India is a diverse country. And if you want to reach individual pockets, you need right. that reach. I don't know if you remember, but Coca-Cola used to have a motto saying at an arm's length, right. which meant like you could get a Coke at uh, every you know, shop. Right. Right. So I think distribution is key in a place like India. Reach is extremely essential. And if Uber Eats provides that to matter? I think it will really help them in their expansion plans. It just makes sense if they have that kind of reach.
0: Correct. So, um, uh, so have you finally got an exit, or are you are you also working? Uh,
1: oh, oh, I had an exit last year, which oh. is when Afthonia actually started.
0: Right, and and before that, you also had a stint in a fintech company. Paymate. Yes, I
1: worked with Paymate, uh, and uh, that was two thousand and nine, when you know most of fintech was about bill payments and payment processing.
0: Oh and and what were you learning so I'll, you you're working on pay, payment and what 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 were your ro- role over there
1: Uh so I was uh, heading revenue for them okay. and uh, it meant just you know uh, working on the various uh, solutions that we had so a couple of interesting projects that I worked on there was you know rolling out um th- so there's something called as uh, Kisan credit card which is called as KCC which is essentially a loan which is extended to the farmers Right um, and Paymate uh, worked on taking this on the mobile um, okay. uh, with, uh, and this was done in conjunction with NABARD and Indian Bank. So we actually rolled this out in, um, you know, in a small place in Tamil Nadu. So those days we worked on a more SMS IVR based solutions because that's, that's what you had then you know, in that 2009 to 2012 space. And uh, it was interesting to notice how important, uh, you know, having regional languages uh, in terms of adoption and use, keeping it simple. And I think those rules never change.
0: They're
1: going to apply to FinTech even today.
0: Absolutely. So, um, uh, so, you know what made you build uh, a Sonia? You know since you've done a fintech and a, and a food startup, uh, you know uh, w- what made you build an incubator for for fintech companies?
1: Um, if so, if you look at India today, right, we're um, we're at that stage where most people are getting comfortable with processing payments, uh, you know, using their phones. Payments right. has always been like the poster boy of the space, right? Right. So most, even, even a rickshaw guy will tell you, I did Paytm. Well, that's yeah. that's synonymous, right? Yeah. Uh, with With payment processing. So um, I sense that, you know, fintech is a space where more and more adoptions are going to happen. Newer offerings are going to come in. More startups are going to co- be involved. Right. And uh, what happens with fintech is it's highly regulated and there's a need for, for it to be so, you know, purely because of the nature.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, of the transactions and the amount of data and the kind of data that you're dealing with. Uh, it's also extremely fluid and dynamic. Right. Um, the rollout plans for a lot of these startups, depending on the space that they're catering in will not be uniform.
2: Right.
1: right? It, like we spoke about how India is diverse. The approach is going to vary from region to region. Sensitivities vary from region to region. Right. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, essentially, when you combine finance and technology, the kind of impact that it can have in terms of just scale, whether it is in terms of saving time, whether it is in terms of cost, and bettering people's lives is huge. Uh, and, I, and you know, this is the kind of space that, you know, I want to be in to help startups uh, be ready for this challenge or prepare for this challenge as we go along. Because, um, you know you need a space where you have access to knowledge. Um, you have access to people who could also help you think through the solutions. Um, and if, if you look at India, we're a growing market, whereas FinTech in, in say a US uh, has reached, uh, you know, maturity level. Right. So the adoption there would be faster than say in India. So um, I wanted to work on a setup which would help the Indian startups actually, you know, leverage this global knowledge, um, maybe go and launch if, if the regulations and the space permits and work in global markets and then bring those learnings and apply them in the Indian market. So uh, it was just about creating that kind of scope and service
0: got you know a couple of years back i i actually thought bitcoin and cryptocurrency would be would be uh, really uh, adopted in india but that was uh, that was the wrong hypothesis but but you know why do you think like in in a country like india uh, you know it's so exciting to 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 build a fintech company and it's not only paytm or or payu uh, who are going to the market leaders but uh, I mean, you can create a fintech company for for a different sector as well. Completely. Why? Why, why do you think India is so, so in such an exciting stage, uh, like no other country for for, for another.
1: So, um, look, we have had a generation that has grown up with just mobile phones, right? Right. So it's extremely easy for them to identify with a screen and take the transactions. You know, that level of learning and adoption is. Uh, that entry barrier is much lower with them right. and that's a large chunk. So I think that that's one reason which makes the market size exciting. I think the one thing that we haven't taken into consideration yet or are not, you know, uh, working with that hypothesis completely, but it kind of excites me is if you look at the older generations, right. you know, uh, the, the lifespan is going up. There's longevity. Uh, People will need to work with the monies and make their monies work and last longer. But this is also a generation which is far more active, the older generation on, say, using WhatsApp or Facebooks, Right. Right? Their ability to actually and our ability to make fintech simpler for them to adopt and use, uh, thereby reducing their time for transaction by going to a bank or, you know, any other place. I think that's what makes it exciting for me because you're looking at two very different age diasporas for adoption.
2: Right.
0: Got it. And and, uh, do you think B2C or a B2B uh, fintech company is going to be more exciting uh, uh, you know, founders who who want to solve the problem, do you think you should get into B2C market or a B2B market?
1: Uh, Look, personally, I've I've always uh, been a champion for B2B. Okay. Because uh, it's less um, cash heavy.
2: Uh
1: Um, It ensures that you get a decent amount of money coming in every month. It's very predictable, right? So it makes it extremely alluring. Um, If you look at US, uh, you know, which is a far more mature market, um, somebody like Citibank's also generates more revenue, more from the B2B than the B2C space, for example. Right. But, um, you know, uh, B2C startups, obviously, you know, will work, uh, but they need deep pockets. They, you need to have more patience and a longer sustainability time frame to write that out.
0: Got it. And, and are there any successful B2B, uh, you know, fintech companies uh, which, which, you know, uh, which you admire or you think that adoption has been, has been great in India?
1: I think Razorpay is doing a good job, really good job
0: correct. Yeah. it. Yeah, we, yeah. we had Harshan, Harshan Mathur who came on to our podcast uh, exactly. and, and, and uh, you know, when, when, when you talk about B2C companies, do you think there's going to be a loyalty when it comes to, uh, you know, people looking at Paytm or Mobikwik uh, or even for the matter, you know, uh, WhatsApp, the, the, the chances that WhatsApp is going to come into, into the payment uh, sector in India. Do you think there's going to be a market leader when it comes to B2C Fintech uh, companies?
1: Sorry, can, can you repeat that? Is there going to
0: be a? Uh, is there going to be a market leader, uh, or do you think you know people are going to be loyal to one particular, uh, uh, you know, uh, fintech company? For for example, like Zomato uh, solves a problem for for dining.
1: Uh, right. Uh, right. Um, uh, so the thing is, I I think that right now, even in the B two C space, there's there's a lot of scope for a lot more players to come in. Right. Right. I also think that the solutions uh, in just, and I'm focusing right now only on payments, okay? I'm not even dwelling into insure tech or wealth management or any other space of FinTech, right? right? Because FinTech is so much more than just payment processing. Right. So just if you if look at like payment processing, which is like the poster boy of the space, I think that the solutions uh, or are going to evolve Right. We're going to right. see a lot more changes in how transactions are carried out. And I think that the, the, the company which kind of uh, gets on to that UI UX experience, which is intuitive, simple, right. um, is region specific, uh, is going to you know, emerge. winner. So I, I think it's, it's really early to say which one, but there's going to be a lot more change in how transactions happen.
0: Got it. And, and, you know, before the call, we were talking about um, how Estonia is going to help fintech entrepreneurs. And right. uh, you you mentioned that, you know, it's not going to be capital, but, but other things that you're going to help out. Uh, so, you know, how, wh- what is it that you're looking for, pe- uh, fintech starters who plan to uh, look at Estonia to, to build their companies? What, what are the sort of help you can give them?
1: so look our our job and the way we look at ourselves is we see ourselves as somebody who's going to work with early stage startups and when I mean early stage, you could be at a concept stage, you could be at a prototype stage or you right. could be like at really early tractions or transaction stage so we want to work with them to build the product, get that traction up, establish a company culture, help them raise funds because uh, we have a network of uh, you know of of um, investors, we have a network of uh, global mentors and advisors who work, uh, you know, with our startups. So it's a very customized program that we have where individual mentors are assigned to startups. So, you know, access to knowledge, capital, corporate, we work on all fronts with startups to get that out. Um, you know, so to give you an example for, you know, some of the mentors that we have, uh, we've got Trent who's, um, you know, uh, works with Fidelity.
2: Right.
1: We've got Ranjit, who is with, uh, very, very senior with Ernst & Young. Um, we've got uh, Mr. Rahul Tareen who's ex-IAS, used to be, you know, one of the uh, finance secretaries. So we've worked on consciously establishing a, a kind of panel of mentors and advisors who are not just specific to the FinTech space, so whether it's regulatory, whether it's capital, um, you know, whether it's the domain knowledge, but also generic mentors who can actually help you in areas of business which most founders could have gap in. Uh, we have bunch of uh, we have like you know a a sort of you know, bunch of uh, angel investors and investor partners uh, such as Itigo Gilda VC who work and um, you know fund startups. so we have a corpus uh, from you know these guys and they invest directly in the startups
0: got it and you know before the call you also mentioned that uh, uh the not uh, there's a lot of investments happening in the in the latest stage uh, right. of the companies right. why why do you think that is that is happening why why is uh, do you think there's a dose of capital not only in fintech companies but also o- overall in the, in, the, in the startup ecosystem in seed stage and pre seed pre seed stage uh, companies?
1: I, I think that uh, you know people are looking at to see some amount of success and some amount of validation of an idea okay. before they kind of jump in and you know uh, invest. Right. Now, the challenge with that is when um, you don't get money and funding at a pre-seed or seed stage, and this is the stage where innovation really happens, Uh, you know, the worry is that it could end up compromising innovation.
2: Right.
1: Right. Um, FinTech specifically because of its nature in some of the areas that you work in and because of the uh, sort of compliance aspects that you need or just to build solutions, uh, is a little capital intensive, so to speak. So it is. And I think if you look at the nature of, of entrepreneurs coming into the FinTech space, you will see that there are a lot more seasoned professionals.
2: Correct. Entering
1: yeah. this space. You know, this is, this is one thing which, uh, with this one trend, which is so different in FinTech.
2: Right.
1: Right. Uh, these are seasoned professionals from a space that they worked in either in FinTech or they dealt with, or, you know, uh, have had work experience earlier and now are stepping into this area.
0: No, absolutely. Like you know, Sachin Bansal has has put in I think four hundred million dollars into into Navi technologies. Right. Shah is, uh, is working on credit. Red. Gupta, Ashish Kashyap. Uh, you know, the, the lot of lot of people who who may not uh, may not be from that field, but I think they they're coming into fintech companies and they're Good. second or third time founders and they can they're able yeah. to raise. Uh, so much, it's, it's much a more lot
1: more seasoned professionals who are entering this space, right? right. So I, I think that, you know, um, it's, and, and exactly why it makes the market so much more interesting, because there's a certain, you know, enthusiasm of a young startup founder, but also the majority of a seasoned professional guiding this market. And which is why I think getting money early in will help innovation further. Right. And that's, that's what we've been focusing on. So like we were discussing before the call, um, our startups, one of our startups called ginger roots, and they're going to be focusing on the payment space
2: right.
1: and, uh, they the due for a launch in February, uh, has managed to raise, raise 40% of the capital. And for us, that's a huge validation that, you know, we're doing something right. right. That there are investors out there who are willing to, you know, uh, invest and back a company that we've backed and which is yet to even launch its product.
0: Got it. And Tanu, I want to talk about millennials and Gen Zs, <laughs> uh, you know, because uh, they get they get a lot of flack because, uh, uh, you know, uh, they may not uh, uh, look in, into buying cars or houses, but, but what is your thought on Gen Zs uh, about Wealth management and about lending. Do you think they're going to they're going to uh, be the uh, you know uh, adopter when it comes to such uh, you know fintech uh, startups?
1: I think that you know the Gen Z and the millennials will will definitely look at you know uh, the, with the lending startups, especially on small ticket sizes. Right. You know it uh, because they have needs, right? And and they they're gonna end up utilizing that fund. So I think for small ticket sizes, just just think about it. You're in a city. You're looking for a job. You're not making that much, and you need to say pay a deposit.
2: Right.
1: It would make perfect sense, and and no bank is gonna give you thirty thousand rupees when you're just starting out with one year. Right. So it would make perfect sense for these guys. You know for. These young kids to actually uh, work uh, and you know take a loan from the startups, which will give you loans of you know 30,000 with uh, payment terms which are linked. So I definitely see them being early adopters.
0: Correct. And and what do you look for in a founder? You know, uh, uh, or or do you do you look at a, at a, at a at an idea or or a founder or a you know or a time size when you, when you look into uh, getting them onto onto the incubator and, uh, and you know, guiding them on how to how to raise funds. And- so
1: um, so it's a mix of, of a lot of things, right? right? The stage that we come in at Rohit, uh, it's very difficult for us to say whether this startup is going to be a unicorn or sunicorn, you know. Right. Uh, the only thing that we can look at the startup at that stage of, that they're coming in to us at is see what is going to be the early adoption like what's going to be that early market pull for them. Right. And um, because of the kind of network that we have, it's easy for us to get that minimal validation. Uh, and for us, it is about taking them to the next inflection point in their journey. Um, so, you know, that's, that's, that's the first part. So that's from the business evaluation angle but businesses are run by real people and that makes the founder or the founding team extremely cu- crucial. So while you do we, what we look for is solid founders.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and when I say solid, you know, like I said, the, the enthusiasm and passion of a young first time entrepreneur
2: okay.
1: and uh, the maturity of a seasoned professional. And for us, yeah. it's big time you have feedback, which is not very palatable but it is necessary for you to use that and you know uh, execute it because that's what's going to help the company so for Correct. us it's, it's a mix of these
0: got it and, and you based out of ba- bombay or is bangalore
1: <laughs> so i am based out of bombay but i spend time in bangalore i spend time between the two cities
0: oh got it uh, but but you bangalore based i mean the incubator right, the incubator
1: is bangalore, is. Is bangalore based
0: Got it. Okay. Fair enough. So we'll, we'll put that in the show notes. I quickly want to do the top three. Uh, what's your favorite business book?
1: Uh, this is Marketing by Seth Godin. That's, that's the current favorite.
0: Okay. Got it. And, uh, you know, if you could go back in time when you started working on your incubator, what is the one thing you would have focused on?
1: Uh, quality of startups and uh, getting the mentors. So two things.
0: Got it. And, and do you have any favorite online tools? For example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom?
1: oh it's so slack
0: slack is it okay yeah. and and what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about uh, uh about the incubator
1: they can just mail me on tunnel at com, and we're uh, always you know happy to respond or they can visit uh, www.aftoniolab.com
0: got it uh thank you for coming on to the show i really appreciate speaking to you
1: thank you so much it's been a pleasure rohit